Hello, hello, and welcome back to DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and you are listening to episode six of season three of this podcast. And this week I'm talking about a record that I've been listening to for almost 20 years, and I decided not to do it alone. I invited on Jeremy Allen Gould from the Rumors Are True podcast to discuss this landmark Strongarm album. Guys, if you haven't checked out the Rumors Are True, it is an interview podcast where Jeremy interviews several musicians that I've grown up listening to and you probably have as well. So make sure you're checking out his podcast. And before we get into the conversation with Jeremy, I want to get a little bit of house cleaning out of the way first number one if you like this podcast make sure you are subscribed to it so that you don't miss new episodes whenever they come out if you like the podcast a lot you can leave a review for it on whatever podcasting app allows you to review the podcast if you want to follow the podcast online there's going to be links in the show notes of this episode that'll take you to all the various social media platforms that i am on or if you just have a question for me send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com and as of the recording of this episode i now have some t-shirts available so if you want a dft dungeon t-shirt there'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you to my t-shirt store guys i really just appreciate all of you guys that listen and comment on all of my posts and follow the social media and stuff that really helps me out as far as getting the podcast out there so with all of that out of the way let's get into my chat with jeremy allen gould about strong arms advent of a miracle is there any cool guests that you have coming up? Yeah, man. I've got Friday. I've got Russell Holbrook from Joe Christmas. And then I have Phil Chamberlain uh, from Sullivan and To Speak of Wolves. And then I've got Doug Laurie from Roadside Monument and Calm Collapse and Wrapped of Dead Monkeys. And then I've got Manny Contreras from Impending Doom. Oh, sweet. And then I've got John Mark McMillan. I don't know if you know him. He's a pretty big Christian artist. It's kind of yeah. indie rock artist. He's amazing. And then I've got a couple other ones. And I mean, those are the ones I have done, but there's a couple I've got kind of scheduled in the future that haven't been confirmed. So I usually don't say anything until I know for sure, but... Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I got, man. It's it's really it's really exciting. I'm, I'm really stoked. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. I actually discovered your show really once I started my new show because I would I wasn't listening to music podcasts for a while. Yeah, I kind of fallen out of it because I was I was like really really burned out on my own podcast at the time, <laughs> and yeah, so I was I like, get it. I was like, the last thing I want to do is here. But but one one thing that I really latched onto early on was just your selection of guests and the sheer variety of it i mean even those names that you just listed off we're jumping all over the place you know as far as genres but it also hits that nostalgic place for me where it's all these records that are from or these artists and records that are from pretty much my entire experience all through you know later in high school all the way through the college years it's weird because a lot of these guys that you're talking to when i think about their records i'm like oh yeah that just came out a few years ago Mm. And then it's like, actually, a few years was like 15 years. Yep. Dude, it's funny because I have I have a I had an artist on recently who was incredible and he's he's newer. And I, I felt weird. I, I've been saying at the end of my episodes, I've been saying nostalgia is a hell of a drug or a heck of a drug because it just really like it just gets me pumped up. 
Oh yeah. Um, when I'm doing these, and I have this guy, his name is Brawley. You should check him out. He's incredible. Just like, I don't know, uh, indie pop, whatever you want to call it. Just phenomenal songwriter. I felt stupid kind of saying that at the end of that, but then I was thinking, well, technically it is nostalgia because he's had a couple records out before that no one's even heard of. And so it's like, to me, I'm just trying to paint a story, paint a picture and let the artist, you know, have their, have their opportunity to, to paint that picture. And I'm just a part of it. I'm holding the canvas for them. And, and it's been, dude, it's crazy. Cause I have a, a wide spectrum of music that I love. And uh, some of the artists that I've worked with in the past, when I booked shows, I wasn't a fan of the band, but yeah. I connected and I have a friendship. And to me, I respect the artist and, you know, I, I can probably dig a song or two from here, you know, from a band that I, you know, might not have loved, but I just appreciate art in general. And so like, to me, that's why I want the variety. I want, you know, from, like I said, John Mark McMillan, who's just a, you know, complete badass in the Christian music world to like yeah. Manny from impending doom or I've got, um, Oh, that's just, I've got Justin from through the eyes of the dead coming on soon. Oh, and that's like, awesome. you know what I mean? Cool. I just yeah. got, I've got a pool of so many people I've worked with over the years that it's like, I just want a cool music podcast. That's literally all I care about. What I like about that format too, is the, is the storytelling aspect of it because I know a lot of these guys, whenever you'll first reach out to them and be like, oh, I want to hear your story about, you know, this record or, yeah. or about your, about this particular period of your life. And a lot of us like, oh, nobody cares about that. And it's like, you know, I'm always sitting there. I'm like, I bet a lot more people care about it than you, <laughs> than you think that they do. Right. Absolutely. And some people also, when you're telling that story and having that relatability, it'll take other people back to that place too, Totally. you know, and, and totally. be reflective there. And that's that, I think that's my favorite part of the, of the art form is, is the connection between the musician, like, you know, any, anybody that writes a note of music is trying to communicate something to someone else. And I just, I like that. I think in the past, I've just Describe it as a, as a musical circuit. It completes the circuit between the uh, yeah. between the listener and the artist, and that connection is like beyond language. It's just an instant connection you could have with anybody. You know, you may have something in common with somebody that maybe doesn't share your beliefs or doesn't share your totally. experiences. Um, but music it always seems to be there. And I think that is really the best way to go into talking about the advent of a miracle by Strongarm because. Absolutely. This record, I mean, we can we can sit here all night and talk about how it's a perfect record. You know what I mean? It's yeah, a shining, it really it's a it shining really jewel and um, top musicianship. But I think the reason I'm still going back to a record from 1997, not like I need a reason, uh, but there is a communication of emotion on this record yep. that is so strong, palpable, absolutely. It's weird because I typically will describe myself these days as non non religious mm. uh, is is the the most PC term I can use to describe it. But when I hear this record, this is one of the only Christian hardcore records from back in the day that when I listen to it, I still feel that spark. That spark whenever Absolutely. I whenever I did passionately believe in something. No, I you get know, it. and the, I get it. Yeah.
I'm going to let you tell a story before I do, because I think people are sick of hearing me tell stories at this point. But what is your first experience with Strong Arm, and then what was your first experience with this record, if they're not the same? My first experience was I I bought the Atonement record. My buddies, um, Andy and Aaron, we grew up in high school together, and so we got into the whole Tooth and Nail, Spearful Hardcore, the whole world. Uh, we consumed everything about it. You know, anything Tooth and Nail put out, we we were just there at the record store or the Christian bookstore, I guess, and yeah. you know, find the records. And we bought. Uh, we really got it into Focused and Unashamed, and um, you know all those bands. And and then um, Strongarm. I heard Strongarm for the first time, Atonement, and I my mind was blown because. And this isn't a slight to Focused or Unashamed, but the musicianship was leaps and bounds better. Songwriting structures were insane. The production was better for the time. The artwork, you know, just all this, it was, uh, you know, just a, a cool looking record. And I think the melody in it is what drew me to it because I've always just been a sucker for a hook, always been a yeah. sucker for a great song. And there was melody in the hardcore, you know, and a lot of the, at that time for me, you know, it was Earth Crisis, Snapcase, Strife, Focus, just pretty militant, like, you know, chug a chug. And there wasn't many pretty melodies. There wasn't many pretty interludes, you know, guitar interludes or whatever I'm going to call it. There wasn't any of that very common. It was just very, you know, chug a chug, chug. And so when I heard Atonement, you know, I was like completely, it just blew my mind, literally blew my mind. And I listened to that record nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And then my buddies and I, um, we just, we never got to see them. So I moved, wound up moving to Florida. They were, we were in Maryland at the time. And then um, right before uh, Atonement came out, I was living in uh, Lakeland area, like going to school, and Strongarm played a lot in St. Pete. So I got to go see them. And that was kind of at the uh, time when the uh, vocal vocalist left and the new vocalist came in. Yeah. So I actually got to see them before they put the record out, which was really cool. And I didn't know what to expect. I just kind of was like, we're at a hardcore show. It's Strong Arm, Zayo. I think it was Overthrow, which wound up being uh, Sleeping by the Riverside and Chow oh, okay. and all, Yeti and all those bands. And I think there was another band. Oh, a Set Apart. They were a Miami hardcore band that should have been huge. Like, totally incredible. Oh, yeah. Am amazing band. Um, anyway, they played a show. And so I got to see it. And it was just, like, bonkers. Like, completely bonkers. You know, in a small little venue in st pete and so then the record finally came out of course i was a, a massive fan anyway so i bought the record and it was so drastically different but but the same and i literally like you said i when i listen to this record i get the chills i get the bumps i get the passion you every time he delivers the vocals it just it's like complete passion, complete. I don't know, man. It's it's a beautiful record. It's a completely beautiful record. And to me, it's my all-time favorite hardcore record by far. And to be honest with you, had this record been on Victory Records, Revelation Records, it would have been massive, I think. Like in terms of, I mean, I love Shai Halud, but Shai Halud blatantly rips them off and they blatantly say they rip them off. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it's a, you know, it's not that they they did they're just you know Matt's a huge fan of Strongarm they're a phenomenal band yeah and of course later on further I'm like I'm of course I'm a fan like these guys are shredders so yeah. I mean to me it's my favorite hardcore record of all time by far 
Yeah, it's definitely mine as well, um, at least as far as Christian hardcore goes, which is like really selling it short because it's not a, you yeah. know, it's not one of those, well, it's really good for Christian music, you know, kind no, of things. It's a um, phenomenal record. Even if you had no idea what the lyrics were about, yep. you had no pretense for the scene that the band was in or anything like that, you would still hear this record and be like, man, that made me feel a whole range of yep. things. And yeah, I think my origin with Strong Arm is not nearly as interesting in the sense <laughs> that, you know, I haven't been shy about this, but a lot of this music I ended up getting into later on okay. after it was relevant, only because, you know, I grew up in a very, in the nineties, I was in a very, I grew up in a very sheltered environment. We were, I was at a Pentecostal church and we didn't believe in anything. You know what I mean? As far no, as like any, anything it. that was worldly, so to speak. And it was hard enough selling Christian rock to those people, selling Christian hardcore. That's something else entirely. <laughs> and so, and I would have had no interest in it. In my Circle of Dust episode last week, I was talking about how like this music scared me as a child because I was taught that it was supposed to scare me mm. um, and that it wasn't something that would ever like make you feel good, you know, or, or make totally. you feel positive. So I ended up checking out Strong Arm probably, I would say probably in like 2005, 2006. The only reason I ended up checking them out was because I was at a Christian bookstore. It was called One Way Books, which I think is out of business. I guess a lot of them are out of business now, <laughs> but uh, I picked it up. And the only reason I picked it up is they were selling atonement and advent of a miracle for 20 bucks but you wow. both records for 20 i mean honestly is there a better deal no, out there I, I don't think there is you know there's not. and they were re-releases i don't think they were remastered nor do i think they need to be remastered because they sound great my totally. cd copies always sounded great i listened to advent first just because i didn't i wasn't really paying attention like okay well this is the chronological order i'm sure. <laughs> supposed to listen to these in so i heard advent first And then I think it was probably close to six months before I checked out Atonement. <laughs> uh, because it was just, I, you buy something no, I get that it. you think has a cool cover. Yeah. You buy something, you know, Solid State on the back. I was familiar with Solid State, you know, from, from the later stuff. And so you're thinking Solid State Records. I had no idea at the time this was like actually like I think the first Solid yeah, State think, yeah. Records release yeah. ever, yeah. Uh, which is cool. I think that like when I listened to it, I was really, really into youth group culture. Hmm. And I think a lot of my friends at the time were not very accepting of the music I was into. Cause I went, you know, pretty much a lot of the people in our youth group listened to, and none of these are bad bands, but like the, like Juliana theory or Reliant K, yeah. uh, MXPX, Just you know, like stuff, all, yeah. yeah, the pop punk stuff. It, it was all huge, you know, OC supertones. And, you know, I like all yeah. those bands too, but I was just a metal head, uh, you know, metal head or hardcore guy, depending on what day it was, you know? Sure. And so I remember trying to show those people stuff like Zayo and they're just like, yeah, I'm not in, I'm not really into this, you know, <laughs> it's like, cause I had like Zayo living sacrifice. I think the first Norma Jean record was, or the, the bless the martyr Norma Jean sure. record was out. 
at the time and it was just like a really hard sell you know i'd i'd show girls that i had a crush on i'd be like yeah this is the kind of music i'm into or whatever and then like <laughs> um they would never talk to me again you know <laughs> i get and, it i get it and, and you know it's weird because they they never if i'm showing them a zeo song they're like I'm like, yeah, but here's the thing. The guy singing, he used to be in this band. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're trying to like relate or whatever. But it was interesting because this record, it hits differently. Yeah. In the sense that I was able to show this to not everybody. I showed a couple of guys this who were really into like, like Skillet or like Cutlass, uh, Mm -hmm. Thousand Foot Crutch. And I remember this was the first record I showed somebody. They were like, okay. They're like, I don't really like the screaming and all that. They're like, but the music is is so much more intricate than it needs to be. Well, the way they said it, than it needs to be, you know? (laughs) And it was an interesting thought because I was like, yeah, I mean, you're right. Hardcore is under no obligation to be this complex. Yeah, you're right. You know? So I used this a lot when I like in prayer meetings where I would take lyrics from this album and I would read them uh, to the group as like devotionals and stuff. And people would get like really emotional about it because it was it's written in such a way that it's like it just sidesteps all the hokiness. Yeah. That you would get even from stuff like I mean, I don't think focused is hokey, but you know what I mean? Like it's um, no, I get it. It didn't age well. I guess yeah. is, the, is, is the way to, to say it. But this record, it is just the lyrics are very worshipful, but very sincere. Absolutely. I agree with you completely. This was sort of my pathway into like people trying to take the kind of music that I liked a little bit more seriously, or, or at least acknowledge that there's more value to it than just... Totally chug 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 you know breakdown yeah. guy says a thing and then you know no, you're, totally. you're in you're in the pit it's funny because when i first heard further seems forever i remember like it being almost a seamless transition exactly exactly completely I, and that's why when i knew they like when i knew they were coming out i was like this band's gonna be unbelievable like i could just like even, even i had heard um dashboard after the fact i guess but when i knew yeah. like because I had seen the vacant Andes before, so I knew he had a good voice. That I'm like, if they're going to pick this guy, it's going to be incredible. You know what I mean? They're, you just know, yeah. you know. Yeah, the the limitless potential that's yeah. there. Yeah, and was delivered on. You know, Absolutely. there's a lot of bands you'll hear you'll hear a five song EP and be all like, this band could yep. be huge, and then that's the only thing they ever did. Once I got into Further Seems Forever, that was a much easier sell. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> to people, you know, and a lot of it was like, is that the guy from Dashboard? I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Uh, to me, he's the guy from Further Seems Further. Forever, right? Yep. But no, this record, like, I had my six months with it, and I checked out, uh, I did end up going back and checking out Atonement. And I think the order in which I listened to the records really did Atonement a disservice. I think so too. You know, uh, if I had listened to Atonement first, I might have been like, wow, that's incredible. And then had the potential to have my mind blown even further. (laughs) But I also, something I want to make sure that I mention is that this record, I checked this out in 2005. And it was still like musically and vocally relevant to me. Oh, yeah. Totally. In a way that I remember I was at Cornerstone one year and I bought a, a, a mystery box of cassette tapes. Uh, from a guy cool. for like 15 bucks. It was, you know, another another cool deal. And uh, <laughs> it was full it was full of like focused and unashamed tapes and, you know, some NIV and like I think yeah. Splinter I, yeah, Splinter shards and that tape snapped and I'm still pissed off about it. <laughs> you know, I thought those records were cool, 
But when I was listening to them in the 2000s, I'm like, this is cool, but it's old. Yeah. I can listen to, I, you know, if, if I listen to whatever the newest Zayo record is, I'm going to get like, you know, that's the type of heavy that I want. I want that like modern yeah. living sacrifice. I think Solid State had just signed to like the agony scene at that yeah. time. Yeah. And so like I was used to like that level of heavy, like metalcore. And so like pure old school spirit filled hardcore I was like, yeah, the lyrics are really cool, but it's just, you know, not that interesting. Advent of a Miracle, if you didn't know anything about this record and you just heard it, and that's the only context that you had, it's really, really hard to place when this record came out. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. It's it's definitely stood the test of time from, you know, and like, even like you said earlier, like I played it today and I was like, God, this record just makes me want to run through a wall like i you know and grab the mic you know it just literally it's got that i don't know what it is i think they just hit it at the right time and it was just the you know and i don't know if you've heard i'm sure you have you know podcasts with some of the guys on and all the trials yeah. that, that they literally went through no pun intended that to make this record you know chris was sick and and you know l- looking back on it you can kind of hear that but i think yeah. it just adds so much you know, emotion and so much um, pure aggression in the in the delivery that it's like I, I, there's not one thing I would change about this record whatsoever. Not at all. Like the fact, like him being sick, like him like coughing up phlegm, you know, yeah. in between takes and stuff. It's funny because you ha- it has that, and that might lend to what I was saying earlier a little bit about like it being somewhat timeless. Is that like those vocals were obviously like unintentionally more extreme. Totally. Uh, then I then I think you know maybe what maybe was intended, and I think that he just sounds like a person completely at the end of his rope. Yes, I agree. you know, in that very sincere and legitimate way, and it's like one of the happiest accidents, you know, in in this style of music where you know guys are always trying to sound tough, right? Or they're trying to sound, or they're intentionally trying to sound emotive, and I I think neither is true here. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're just you're you're just getting the real deal. I think one of the funniest things about this record is whenever I showed it to, I used to hang out with these dudes in school that were in bands. Every time that band would play a show, they sounded like Seven Dust, <laughs> but they were like really popular in our school. Which I mean it. It takes a good amount of talent to sound like Seven Dust, sure. Sure. But I remember the drummer of that. He was the drummer and the singer. And I remember showing him this record and being like, dude, this is all I've been listening to this week. And he's listening. We were listening to, I think it was Council of Perfection. He immediately just jumps in and goes, that transition right at the beginning doesn't make any musical sense. Yep. And I was like, yeah, but like, still sounds good though, right? You know what I mean? Like, it was one of those weird moments where I started seeing the value in this type of music where it's like the pre-established rules of rock music don't always have to apply. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to sound conventional. It doesn't have to sound, you know, and obviously this is a guy that grew up listening to hard rock and probably like not a lot of punk rock, right? Sure. And so that was the first time that I noticed that these bands, uh, Strongarm in particular, was, was basically doing something that nobody else was really doing at the time besides Shai Halud. But again, that was a very incestuous relationship. Yeah. You know? um, they were ahead of the game, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, I listen to stuff now, you know, pretty much any melodic hardcore band, you hear traces of this record. 100%. Uh, in, in what they're doing. And one of the things that I like the most about this is I am not always the biggest fan of clean singing. I, I have this, like, really stupid, very particular set of criteria. And so I don't like singing in my hardcore records. And I think this record is largely, was largely, like, my thesis statement on, on why that was. Because I was like, you don't you don't have to have a guy singing melodically For to be in beautiful. order to convey emotion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. And people would argue and say, Well, yeah, but a guy screaming only conveys one emotion and then I pull out this record and I'm like, Really? <laughs> is that what you think right there was a lot of, like i was i was definitely that guy in high school where people would be like oh yeah i really like this and then i'd be like oh yeah well you should listen to this you know pull out my little pull out my little disc man and then i'm like just put my headphones you know that was before we yeah. had everybody had earbuds so you didn't have to worry about there being earwax yeah you know, uh compounded into the speaker but yeah this record i can't i can't even count the amount of times i would go back to this record and just to, just to prove a point to somebody that like, hey, guess what? This doesn't follow normal musical convention, and that's why it's good. There doesn't yep. have to be some obvious spelled out transition. When I started making my own music, it was very much like admiring how they don't repeat themselves a lot on this record. It's yeah. it's so punk rock in the sense of like, okay, we're going to play this part now, and then we're going to go into this part, and then we're going to go into this yeah. part. And then, you know, that's the song. Well, once we hit <laughs> once we hit three minutes, we win. Yeah. And we're going on to the next thing. I think they, man, they, they these guys are so insanely talented and so insanely great at writing songs in general. And I mean, obviously, like we said, with Further and, and whatnot, but it just the fact that they wrote this record, um, you know, and like you said earlier, it's a short record. It's a really short record, but it's like every song is equally impactful, equally, yeah. you know, like the record isn't the same when, if you remove one of the songs, to me at least. Um, and so, like, you know, I think the, the, the level of songwriting, you know, would be comparable in a weird way of like a Starfire 59 or like, a, you know, they're just kind of on another level completely. And, you know, I don't think it was hard for them to write this record. Like, I don't mean, I don't mean that like disrespectfully. I think they just were busting out at the seams with music. They were just on this high, you know, atonement. You listen to that. Then you listen to this record and you can see the you can see the transition. You can yeah. see the similarities, but it's just like they went in there, busted this record out and they just shredded. I mean, literally, you know, I, I, and you know what? I can almost, I'm, this is a guess. But when they got, were done with it, they probably were like, hell yes. Like, this is the record we wanted to make. I, I mean, yeah, like, this is it. We did it. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, you, you had to have. I mean, you had to have. 
I'm sure tooth and nail or solid state was just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, this is like, to me, this is like a monumental record in hardcore, like just plain and simple. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Do you think that the being in the Christian hardcore scene might've been the only thing that was holding it back? Or do you think it Absolutely. may have just been a no, I, Well, no, I don't because they were playing with shy Hulu. They were playing with, uh, the bands down in, in Miami, South Florida area. They were playing. I mean, I've seen flyers where they were opening for like Earth Crisis and all that. So I know they were probably appreciated, but I think at the time, you know, there was a lot of people that didn't want anything to do with Christian hardcore. Or they didn't want to do anything with spirit filled hardcore yeah. um, just because of, of what the message was. And now, you know, I think kind of in the 2000s, that kind of just got laid to rest somewhat. I'm sure some st- some people still. To me, it's just music. I mean, I, I really don't, you yeah. know, I, I just love a good song. I love a good record. You know, whatever it's about, uh, you know, that's, you know, I, that's that doesn't bother me. If somebody writes a great, like, I like some behemoth songs. I like some songs, you know, you know, Doom O'Borger. Like, I love stuff. I just love a good song. So, like, to me, you know, I don't believe that stuff, but I think it's a good song. It's a good song. So, to sure. me, I think this record, if you'd have put it in front of 10 hardcore kids in the 90s, I guarantee you eight of them would have loved it. Like they would have, if you wouldn't have told them a thing, single thing about it and just been like, listen to this. Of course you tell them it's tooth and nail and tell them it's Christian. And that's a whole different world. But you know, the reality is they just were so far ahead of the game. Like, and like you said, all these bands now it's like you have, you know, hopes fall counterparts. Like, you know, I can't even keep up with how many bands now, like you said, are influenced by this record and they'll, probably stand you know like in shy halud it's like literally i don't know man they just they just put out a record that to me it just changed the face of hardcore at least in my world you know and i think it's one of those records like i said if it was victory revelation and there was nothing to do with the christianity would have been a massive record i I really feel that i agree i agree for the most part because it's it's definitely it's got that chills factor almost every i know we're i know i'm just saying the same things over and over again but i can't stress enough like it always bothered me it sort of bothered me because every this is the part of the conversation where everybody's like well and then they broke up and then like that was it but then you've got you know further seems forever is is a perfect continuation totally of what they were doing but then you've also got guys like me that are like okay but you know that, that hardcore though and it's so it's it's always been a little sad to me that this incarnation of the band didn't continue longer than they did only because with it being the first solid state release that literally they are at the very they're the first drop of water in a wave significance of that and how successful that label became you know taking you know there were tons of of albums that came out on that label that were influenced by this record and i just feel like in a lot of ways it just doesn't get talked about enough oh totally i agree from time to time i've had some people on on my podcast that like i've asked them you know some of the records that influenced them and and there's been quite a few that have been like strong arm i've been a miracle by far yeah and it's like, 
you know, I think if you know, you know, you know, yeah. and if you don't know, you're the guy that's like, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> it's like, well, and it's more than that. Like if you know, if you know, you know, but if you don't know, you know, someone else that knows. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, you know, you know, after the 30 minute mark, this just evolved into two guys being like, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, I know, you know, you know. No, this record absolutely is is an all timer. I made a I made a YouTube video a few years ago talking about my top five solid state. I th actually believe it or not, that record is the record that or not record that video is the video that inspired me to start trying to lose weight because I remember I posted that and strong arm. I think strong arm was number two on the list because the first one you know it had to be a Zayo record because it's me. But which like, one? What's Zayo record? I think it was Liberate. Oh. And even Eliberate's not my favorite Zayo record. It was my favorite record that was on Solid State. I got you. But I'm a big fanboy, right? So my favorite Zayo record's just whatever the newest Zayo record is. You I know, gotcha. I remember talking about this record, and I remember being like really, really like passionate about it. Like I, I started tearing up during the take, and I was like, "This record just meant so much." I was probably drunk. I drank a lot back then too, and so I was like, "This record meant so much to me, and it was so great." And then, uh, and then I posted the video. And I posted it in all these like tooth and nail groups and stuff. The day I decided I was going to start losing weight is whenever a guy commented, he's like, wow, punk rock NBA's really let himself go. <laughs> <laughs> Bummer. And I, I just laughed. I mean, I was, it's, it was a great, it's like, it's like the best life changing constructive criticism that no, you're going to get. It. It's like, dude, you know, uh, I'm making fun of you a little bit, but like, it looks like you're just not taking care of yourself. <laughs> and I remember being like, it's about the content of the, you know, but yeah, it was, it was interesting picking this record because I think all the other ones that I had picked were from after 2000. Yeah. Which, which would have been, you know, my, my golden later high school years. Yeah, but like when I reflect back on it, I just think of the the sheer amount of times I heard something in this record, and I would show it to other people, and I would get bummed out if they didn't get what I got out of it. No, I get it. I get it. I feel like I I feel like if I had to pick my at least my top two of those, it would probably be Strong Arm number one and Zayo uh, where Blood and Fire is number two. Yeah, I those records are like in a league of their own to me. Like, and I oh yeah, like trajectory of my life changed that whole world and yeah man i dude zeo and, and and it's funny ironically when i saw strong arm back in the day the two or three times i saw him it was with zeo so yeah. you know that's kind of probably part of it as well now were but, they uh, doing blood and fire songs then no they were doing uh i have a cool story actually about one of the times that not it's not cool at all but i'll tell it but um i'll probably think it's cool yeah well it's not the subject matter is not cool, but anyway, yeah. So they were doing. Uh, it was with Sean Jonas still. They were doing um, Splinter uh, record, and okay. so I, I went down to see, or uh, sorry, over to St. Pete to see Strongarm and Zayo, and I met up with Jesse from Zayo. This is actually a side note story, um, and he was like, you know, Jesse's like, come out, come out to the car. I want to play you the new Living Sacrifice, <laughs> and so he like. Right played reborn before it came he put it a tape in and we were like oh my god what the hell is this this is so cool right. like you know he's like it's like my sugar like you know it was just it's like it's not this. your mom's living sacrifice <laughs> yeah yeah so that was kind of cool and you know because i had known um i actually met jesse at a starflyer 59 prayer chain show when i was living in maryland my friends and i went to go see them and they were standing in line peddling their four song demo and i remember mm -hmm. he was like you want to buy this tape and i was like how much is it He's like four bucks. And I was like, uh, and I was like, I got to buy this merch at the show. Like that one of those things, but I bought it and I'm glad I did. Yeah. And so we wound up 
being friends with him over over the years. Um, and you know, that's, that's a side note, but anyway, I went to go see uh strong arm with Zayo. I don't remember the other bands that were on it. It was just local hardcore bands. And I drove, I was living in Jacksonville, Florida at the time. And that's about a three and a half hour drive, something like that. Okay. And I went with Craig uh, Cheney from Evergreen Terrace, who's the guitar player from Evergreen. Okay, we yeah. grew up, grew up together. We're best friends. And, um, we drove all the way down to St. Pete for the show. And it was like after Advent had come out. So I was like psyched and like, you know, we were ready. We drove there, got there, saw the first two bands. Then Zayo played. It was awesome. And then strong arm was literally setting up and all these neo-Nazis showed up on the outside of the show. I'm talking oh, probably no. 200 bit plus. And then everyone left the venue to kind of like get their chains and get their whatever. And it turned into this standoff. And my and Craig and I were like, no, we're going to miss strong arm. Like, right. And they canceled the show. No. Yes. It was, a, I was so bummed and I was so pissed because I was like, screw you guys. Like you ruined this for all of us. And it's ironic because strong was a Christian band. They weren't even right. like, I mean, it's like maybe like Earth Crisis, maybe like it, they weren't really like a confrontational type band at that no. time. Yeah. So it was weird and bizarre. And it was really, I still am angry about it, to be honest with you. Like it, it took away a show that I wanted to see so bad. And we drove, like I said, almost four hours for it. And we wound up driving back and I was just so bummed and so irritated. But I, luckily I got to see him a couple more times, but. That one always sticks in my mind because it was like literally, you know, they were probably 10 minutes away from playing. They were setting all their stuff up and then everyone just runs out the venue. And I'm like, what is going? It's like almost like a, a war zone. It was just like all this chaos and, and tension. And it was just like, this sucks. And, That's you know, so weird. I'm a peacemaker. Like... I know it is weird. It, it's extremely weird. And it was I'm a peacemaker and I'm like, I'm not into fighting and violence and all that stuff. And yeah. but I'm like five seven, and like you know everyone's like six two, and you know beefcakes and all that stuff. So it's like I can't do anything about it. So you know my you know Craig and I are just sitting on the side like this sucks. Like you know we didn't know it was going to cancel. We thought okay it'll chill out, and but they were like we're cut, we're shutting it down. And I was just wow. like uh. So anyway, yeah, that's always been a weird. Like I said, it's not a cool story, but it's just kind of like. I mean, I'm I'm just imagining like a bunch of skinheads like in a boardroom being like okay. Tonight, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of there's a, a whole bunch of church people showing up, yeah, to go crazy. I know. You know, at a, at a heart, we got to stop. We got to do everything in our power to stop that from Dude, happening. It was like, weird, and there was so many of them. That's what was the craziest part. It was just like, what are you? Is there a convention nearby? From? Like, what's I mean, I happening? Think, yeah, I think in that area there was definitely like a big neo-Nazi presence in the '90s for sure. I don't know, and I lived in Denver for a while, and there was quite a few there as well. You know, and That's hardcore crazy. always kind of was like, you know, kind of standing up for people. So I think there was just always this tension anyway. But yeah, it was so weird. I don't, I literally to the life of me, don't know. I don't know if there was somebody that they were going after. I don't know what it was, but it was a ton of people and it just really was a buzzkill, you know? Yeah, I bet. Cause I mean, I, I, I would imagine at that time those shows probably were a little few and far between. Yeah. You know? especially hardcore shows. I mean, Tampa was had a decent amount, but you know, like the good bands, I, I would say like there was, and there was probably like a hundred people at the show. I don't even know. Yeah. 
something like that. It was small. Yeah, so not even not even an event that's like worth it. Yeah, it's not even like else. yeah, like yeah. three thousand people there or something, or you know, you know, six hundred people or something. It was a small yeah, you're little not like make your big stand at the Christian hardcore yeah, show that's happening. Uh, dude, yeah. trust me. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Like, we're literally just you know having fun ourselves. You know, that's all it really was. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's bizarre. Craig and I, we still talk about it. We're like, when, like, I'll see him every once in a while. I'm like, bro, strong arm. And I have another little side story that has nothing to do with it, but it's kind of funny. So Craig and I, we would hang out all the time and we would play like, like he got the PlayStation. He would get Resident Evil game when it was like, you know, the scary game, you know, when it first came out. And so we would stay up and play and that's kind of, he would play and the girl I was dating at the time, we were all hanging out together. And so her and I would just kind of hang out, talk and watch him play. It was kind of almost like watching a movie per se. Yeah. And so, there's this venue over in Jacksonville or is in Orange Park. It's probably, you know, 20 minutes from Jacksonville. And they had a, a venue called Shades Nightclub. And they would have bands there on occasion, like Bad Religion played there. I saw Stabbing Westward and Tripping Daisy there. You know, a variety of bands would play there. And it was just random because it yeah. wasn't Jacksonville. It was kind of like playing a suburb, but, you know, a weird suburb, I guess, like a, a hick suburb if you will yeah you could substitute it for a jacksonville day yeah right? like yeah 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 it was just like weird but it was cool it was like a probably 600 cap room and all the shows would be packed it was cool That's so anyway awesome. the deftones were coming there and at the time the deftones were not big they were not big at all adrenaline had maybe just come out and yeah. it wasn't on the radio that much and so at the same time the super tones were out and the mighty mighty boss tones were out and so Craig and I, naively, one night we're like, should we go to the Deftones show? We're, I mean, <laughs> what if it's ska? Like, I mean, do you know, it's kind of one of those like, I don't know, should we go? Should I spend should money on this? Am I yeah. going to have a good time? Yeah, sure. So what did we do? We played freaking Resident Evil while this band's 10 minutes away from our house with Far, the band Far, and total regret, like looking back on it, we literally to this day when we were like, bro, Deftones, like it's like a... Yeah, when are you going to ever get to see Deftones for that cheap ever again? I know, in a small yeah. little event. I know, dude, trust me. And like, it's funny now because we laugh at it because we're like, God, we thought they were a ska bit. Like we didn't know. <laughs> Right. It was like, you know, you know, looking back on it, total regret, total, I'm embarrassed to be honest with you. I mean, it's weird because I, I could see how you got there. Yeah. I mean, it's got the word tones in its name. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, like I said, they weren't on the radio. Yeah. So, and it wasn't like we could just, I mean, you, I guess you could go to the CD store and listen to it, but we were just kind of like, eh. Not at seven or school? eight o'clock at night. You can't. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. So it was like one of those things that anyway, embarrassed about That's, it, but. No, yeah. that's wild. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't ever get to see Strong Arm live. So I almost got to, to a certain degree, because I, I have this really fun thing where every single year I'm super stoked about going to Furnace Fest, and then I, I never actually yeah. end up getting to go. The first year of Furnace Fest, I couldn't go because my car broke down. Mm. That was like three cars ago. Basically, my car broke down. I couldn't go. I was super bummed out. And so I was watching every single video that was being posted over the weekend, you know, watching everybody's Facebook. Everybody was going crazy because they're like, you know, further seems forever. They're playing. And if they were going to do a strong arm thing, yep. this is when they need to do it. You know, yep. like this is this is the ultimate. And so I watched that video like four times. Yeah. Uh, and I, I still got the chills. You know, yeah. horrible, horrible sound quality. Would have been way better had I actually been there. Totally. But like even watching the clip and you know, it's a different singer, you know, it's uh it's Joe right from, from Advent. Beloved Advent. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a different singer, but like I like him, so like that's that's fine. 
Yeah. And yeah, just still still chills. You could you totally. could still you could still feel the power of that song. So they only played one song, which is kind of like, I get it. You know, you just played an entire further set. You're probably, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're not, not going to bust out a strong arm set second, you know, yeah. right after that. Um, but I remember just a few years ago watching that and that really reignited a lot of my interest in the record cool. and I started listening to it. Um, it was the first time I pulled it up on my streaming app and would yeah. listen to it at work and stuff. And I can tell you that, you know, if you've only got an hour left at work, don't think of that as, oh man, I've got a whole hour left at work before I can leave. Think of it like this. I can listen to The Advent of a Miracle by Strongarm two times before I get to leave. <laughs> now, granted, my work situation, I'm allowed to wear headphones. I'm allowed sure. to, you know, I'm allowed to chill and listen to my music. I used to be that guy. I used to have a Bluetooth speaker yeah. at work. Now that I've got these like fancy Bluetooth, you know, holy crap headphones, yeah. listening to this record today as many times as I did was an absolute joy. You know, That's just cool. still all of these years later, I still get stoked about it. When totally. I hear it. Same here. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, man, I get it. It's it's a record of a lifetime for me, so I get it. And I, you know, I I never just listen to one song. I listen to the whole record. Yeah, I mean, it's a record that could. There there are some bands I listen to where their whole re- their one song would be that length. You know, yep. with that many changes. But yeah, even you know, it is weird listening to it on streaming because like together, you know, was yeah. always untitled bonus track, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's weird seeing it as like a ten track album. Uh, so yeah, so, it is because it was always you know for me it was always like oh sweet I got a I got a bonus what what bang for my buck here. <laughs> I know. You know? <laughs> it's it's awesome. so weird because like after that record like that song being so fast and and, and in your yeah, face I know you know as as the closer you know yeah. but it's like it's so strong arm. <laughs> They could open a show with that song. They could close a show with that song. Yeah. It doesn't even it doesn't even matter. And um, I think I've said enough things about this record tonight. I probably said a whole bunch of them over and over and over again, <laughs> as I do, uh, because I can't reiterate. If you if you're listening to this podcast for some reason, or you know you were listening to a podcast you actually wanted to listen to, and then this one auto played or whatever, and you haven't heard Advent of a Miracle, I mean, absolutely, just pull it up. It takes th- it takes three seconds, and I promise you, 28 minutes later, you're gonna have a smile on your face. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you probably punched a hole through the wall too. Yeah, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's not you know someone else's property. But yeah, Jeremy, thank you, man. This yeah, is, man. Uh, this is super cool. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah. That, I'm glad that you picked this record because I was like yeah. scratching my brain because like when I was like I was like I want to have you on the show because I want to chat. I want to do this whole podcast thing. I was like, but man, 
this guy listens to literally, you know, you hear all those people that listen to everything. Yeah. And you're one of the very few people that I know that actually listens to pretty yeah. much everything, you know. Yeah. As long as it sounds good to you, it's it's good to go. I'm into there's it. no Absolutely. Yeah, there's no pretense, there's nothing weird about it. Yeah, man. And so I'm so glad. Yeah, as soon as you mentioned this one, I was like, "Yep, yep, that's the record. We got to yep. talk about it. We got we got to jump in." Dude, thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored, honestly. Yeah. Absolutely, man. It's uh, it's definitely. I'm happy because I, I listen to your interviews, and I, it's funny because I'm always like, man, I would have said this in response to that question, or I would have jumped in. So <laughs> it's always cool to have. Yeah, because it's weird, right? You listen to people, you listen to other people talk. Yeah. Uh, for what accounts to eventually, you know, multiple hours, you know, maybe even days worth of material, and then whenever you actually talk to somebody face to face, and it's not on Messenger or whatever, it, it's really uh, such a better experience. You know? Totally. I know. I feel weird about sometimes the way my voice sounds, but I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, I like the way you sound, which is cool. What's a compliment? I'm totally taking. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. At this point, you have no excuse to not go and listen to The Advent of a Miracle by Strongarm. For these outros, guys, I'm going to start keeping them kind of brief. So make sure you're checking out Jeremy's podcast, The Rumors Are True. And I hope to see you guys here next week. Yeah, but I'm glad.